Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to episode 104, I believe. Today, I want to be tackling the topic of procrastination. I I feel like I've spoken a little bit about this with decision-making and, you know, um, getting your shit together and productivity and all of that, but I thought it'd be good to do a podcast that talks specifically about procrastination, why it is that we do it, even on seemingly simple tasks. I'm going to go into that, who's more likely to procrastinate and kind of hacks that you can use to try and help you procrastinate less. Because we all do it, but some people are really serial procrastinators where it really negatively impacts their life. And for other people, it's kind of like an annoying thing, but when it comes to the crunch, they get things done, okay? So I'm going to talk about it from every different angle. Also, it is this episode is going live on the 24th, um, which is Christmas Eve. And for... So my family, we're South American and we celebrate like our main Christmas is dinner on the 24th and then the 25th is more like a chilled vibe. We're all obviously all still together. We eat together, everything, but it's more relaxed on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve is like our big hurrah. So I am recording this on the 23rd and I am so excited because after I record this, I will be going, I'll be putting the out of office little thing on my emails and I am not working for about a week, about a week. Um, I've got a few things here and there, but yeah, I'm very, very excited. I've not really had any time off, so I've tried to do as much work as possible this week so I could have episodes ready to go for next week, which brings me to the next topic of the episode that's going to be released on Monday. That is episode 105 where I interview a neuroscientist. I won't go too much into the details, but I interview a neuroscientist who specializes in foods that increase cognitive enhancement, like nootropics and things like that. It is such a good interview. This guy, his name is Professor Andrew Scully. I just recorded the interview actually, uh, yesterday. And I think you guys are going to fucking love this. Could not recommend it higher. We talk about different kinds of foods, what enhances cognitive performance, but separate to that, what's also going to enhance your brain health for neuro like neuroprotective mechanisms that go well into your future with like um anti-aging for the brain kind of thing so it's really fucking exciting episode so go and on monday jump on that episode it's going to be great um anyway what i thought i'd do before i got into the topic of today the procrastination topic is a little brain fact it's not really brain at all as usual I often kind of view off the the tracks or whatever you want to call it but I want to talk about a supplement that my sister actually told me about this originally and I've kind of put a few people onto it um, and I myself have taken it in the past I actually should probably get back into it it's very good and the supplement is called dim it's actually short for methane, I believe, is how it's pronounced. methane. Anyway, try say that 10 times in a row. Not a fucking vibe. But anyway, what this supplement does, it's really interesting. It basically helps, it's a compound that helps balance out your hormone levels in both males and females. And it kind of helps regulate the kind of estrogen that is in your body. Because we have a few different types of estrogen and I'll get into that in a sec. So it's this, I'll call it DIM for short, D-I-M for short. DIM is found in um, cruciferous veggies, so broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage. And it normally gets converted within the body and you would have to eat like a lot of it to get the benefits that you can get in a supplement. So a lot of people are taking a DIM supplement. And 
Basically, so it works for both men and women. So obviously both males and females have estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. The distribution is obviously different. I think it's around, I was looking up a few different things and a few different doctors are saying it's around the 80-20. So males normally have 80% testosterone, 20% of estrogen, progesterone. And for women, it's the reverse. Uh, or for females, it's the reverse. Um, and what DIM does is it stabilizes hormones. So you're getting, it stabilizes it. So you're not getting too much of a production of one kind of estrogen, basically. Um, and one of the ways of doing this, and one of the things, because DIM does a few things, but one of the things that it does is it blocks the enzyme aromatase. Okay. Now the enzyme aromatase converts testosterone to estrogen. And in many cases, you're going to want to avoid that happening because the estrogen that it's being converted into is the quote-unquote bad estrogen, which I will elaborate on in a second. So you're getting this conversion of testosterone into this undesirable estrogen that you don't really want in most cases, um, and then you're having all these problems. Additionally to that, when what increases aromatase is insulin. So insulin is going to – the insulin release will trigger the enzyme aromatase, which then converts testosterone into this um, estrogen, okay? So it upregulates it. So if you upregulates it. So if you have an excess of sugar, carbohydrates, you get an increase in this conversion. So if you look at it for men, men, especially as they start to age and they have high levels of carbohydrates in their diet, they're then getting that conversion. And that's where you see men with higher breast tissue if they're consuming a lot of sugars. Um a lot of like weight gain in maybe different areas to what they're used to, and they get enlarged prostates as well. So so DIM is going to be very beneficial to stop kind of that conversion. Now, both men and women need active or they call it like free testosterone, so available testosterone and the good estrogen. So this free testosterone is going to be really beneficial for circulation, muscle mass and bone health, um, less estrogen proliferation in breast tissue, which then is kind of linked to cancers and things like that. And it's also really good for your skin health. So when you've got higher levels of testosterone, less of that kind of bad quote unquote estrogen, you're going to have less of that hormonal acne. Now, Testosterone, that, that conversion of testosterone to estrogen occurs in the liver pathway. And we've got a few different kinds of estrogen. And DIM, what DIM, separate to, the, to that um, aromatase blocking that it does, DIM also stimulates the production of the less, post, less potent kind of estrogen, which is called 2-hydroxyestrone, which is kind of like uh, less intense. It's kind of the estrogen that we need, but it doesn't have all these crazy side effects. And it also reduces... The this is what I was talking about before that bad kind of estrogen, which is sixteen alpha hydroxyestrone, which is linked to certain cancers like breast cancer, but it's also linked to weight gain, hormonal acne, really intense symptoms during menopause, and also premenstrual symptoms as well. And then, of course, in men, the the enlarged breast tissue and um, loss of body hair in aging in men as well. They get that as um, – and what was the other thing I was saying? And large prostate as well. So the things that are going to increase these bad, quote-unquote, estrogen levels could be your diet. It could also be high levels, like I was saying, high levels of carbohydrates. If you've got more you – know, people that are overweight are more likely to have this kind of 
estrogen as well. So you're going to get, everyone's going to have slightly different levels of it and not everyone is going to need the DIM supplement because their levels might be fine. But if you're finding that you get a lot of these symptoms, then maybe DIM is something that you would want to look into. Just kind of read into it and see um, if you think you would benefit from it. But you can get it from, that. mind you, this is not Spawn, not being paid for this. Um, you can get it from most like pharmacies or you know those pharmacies that have like a health kind of, a health you know, like a natural whatever section attached to the pharmacy, they um, normally sell it there. But basically, normally women would take around, I was listening to this doctor doing a speech on it, females would normally take around 200 milligrams a day, but for women with really bad hormonal acne, period pain, breast pain, it can be up to 300 milligrams. And for males, it's two to 400 milligrams per day for like prostate health and all of that. Um, So yes, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Definitely go look into it. There's a few great articles that you can find that have been written up in the last couple of years on DIM. So good times. And if you feel that your premenstrual symptoms are really bad, breast pain, period pain, hormonal acne, maybe it's something that you'd want to give it a go. Um, In addition to all of that, there are also a lot of studies on animals that suggest that it might assist in the prevention of certain types of cancer, but that's not actually well proven yet in human studies. So the studies are currently underway, but there's um, the work there is pretty limited, so we can't make any claims around that. But I thought that was really fucking interesting. Anyway, let's um, move on to the topic of today, which is procrastination. So the first thing that I thought I would start with is Let's define what is procrastination. So there's two definitions that I found that I think are really good. The first one is the action of unnecessarily and voluntarily delaying or postponing something despite knowing that there will be negative consequences for doing so. Um, And the other one was just the action of delaying or postponing something. I think the first definition is the one that gives the best well-rounded kind of description of what it is. It's this knowledge that you're not going to benefit from postponing it. If anything, it's going to be detrimental to your day, your time management, whatever, but you still choose to do it. Okay. So why is it that we procrastinate? Ultimately, it all does come down to your mindset, obviously, what it is that you're valuing, what you're putting as a priority. Procrastination is ultimately all about prioritizing. It's delaying gratification or the inability really to delay gratification. And it's also the inability, I feel, to be able to put yourself in the shoes of your future self. Everything's about now, 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 now. And the thought of what you're going, the consequences that you're going to suffer or the benefits that you're going to reap if you were to do something now, you don't really think about that. You're not really or not enough for you to actually make a move and do something about it, okay? This has nothing, and let's get clear, this has nothing to do with being time poor. If you were time poor, then you're not procrastinating. You just physically cannot do it. If you're standing here saying, I don't have the time or the capacity at all to do this task, then you're not procrastinating. That is a different thing altogether. That's a whole different topic for a whole nother day. Procrastination is when you put something off that you could be doing now to do at a later date or time. Okay, so that is what I mean when I say it's all about your mindset. It's not about, you know, you know how sometimes people say we all have the same hours in a day. I understand that some people have a much busier lifestyle than others. So when we talk about do you have the actual capacity to do so, that's a different topic. Procrastination applies to every single human in the world. It's when you could do it now, but you don't. If you physically can't do it now, you're not procrastinating. And it's also not really about time management. They are heavily kind of 
associated or like linked together, but it's not really about time management either. It really just comes down to your mindset in that moment and why it is that you are choosing to put something off, okay? Because you could be the most organized person in the world, but when it comes to the crunch, you're like, oh, I'm not going to do this task. I just cannot do it. It's uh, not for another time, for another day. That's, that is what I want to talk about today. That is the most, this, we're going to really um, narrow it down to the mindset in that moment that makes you put off that task. So why do we do it? There's a few reasons why we do it. It's firstly, it is in most cases an irrational behavior and almost everyone does it, but not everyone, like I said before, is a chronic procrastinator. We do it to avoid discomfort in the moment. We do it because we fall for the lie that we will want to do it later, that we think we'll be more in the mood later tonight or tomorrow or on the weekend or next week when I've got this huge wave of energy, I'm going to really want to do this really boring and mundane task. We also do it out of a need to pacify ourselves away from fear, discomfort or judgment. So that could be you're just kind of dreading how difficult something's going to be. And even though you know it's going to be harder and more stressful, the less time you give yourself to do it, you will then put it off and quickly look for a distraction so you're not feeling these really unpleasant feelings. Um, And you feel, some people feel that urgency is the only way or time that you're going to get things done when it's like, fuck, I've got to do this in two days now. I really literally have no option. And now because I've got that looming thing, that feeling is now more intense. So I'm just going to go for the, I'm always going to be put in a situation where the only time I'm taking action is when I've got this crazy intense feeling forcing me to do something like a deadline that I absolutely have to make. Everybody in their life does something unless it's a habit or a ritual, which is why I'm so big on habits and rituals. Everybody will do something when it either A, represents urgency, B, pleasure, or C, when the action that they're doing right now is better than the alternative, okay? Those are the three reasons that you're going to take action on something unless you've made it into a habit, a ritual, a routine, okay? So to repeat that, it's if it's urgent, if it's pleasurable, or if what you're doing right now is going to be better than the alternative. Those are the three reasons why you would do something, okay? You're, you either do it because you want to do it and it represents joy, so that's socializing, shopping, reading, or because you have to, so that's arriving at work on time. That is urgent because you have to be there on time. If you don't, you're going to lose your job and you need money to live, you know. Submitting your essay on time so you don't lose marks if you really want to pass that subject. Taking out the rubbish is an urgent thing because your home will stink if you don't take it out. And you look at different people have different um, criteria of what is urgent, okay? Everyone has their own version of urgent. And for some people, the threshold is really, really high. And for some people, that threshold is really, really low. So for example, when you look at taking out the rubbish, some people absolutely cannot handle the fact in their mind, they don't like the fact that rubbish has been sitting there overnight. It has to be out of the home that night. They need it out in the garbage bin. Whereas other people, it's like, as long as that garbage bin is not spilling onto the floor, I can handle it. And that's their threshold, right? But then if it spills onto the floor, it's then urgent because they don't want to feel like a total grub and have food on the floor, right? So their urgency threshold is very different to someone else's. But we all have a limit of what represents taking action. That's why, again, for the millionth time, 
get into fucking habits and rituals. If you don't have a habit or a ritual, you have to consider and contemplate every action you take. When you have a habit, you don't have to think about it. That decision process does not exist. You just do it. And it's this rote thing and you just do it, you get it done, and it's, it almost feels weird if you don't do it. Now, another difference with people in procrastinating and not procrastinating is for some people, what represents total discomfort represents joy for other people. And examples of this is cooking. Uh, That's a really prime example. Some people fucking love it and can't wait to do it. And other people, it's like the bane of their existence. They fucking hate it. They just don't even want to, you know, so they do the bare minimum. Um, or another one is exercising. Some people cannot wait to go for that morning run and other people it's like that is the one thing I will never do and I put off unless someone drags me out the door and I have to do it. Okay, so there's many things that you look at. Why is it that some people are able to do something so easily? Maybe it is that that task represents a level of joy or the feeling is good enough that they associate joy with that task. So right now I want you to look at the tasks that you get done on it like normally every day, whether it's, you know, exercising, getting up, going to work. What do you do before you go to work? Do you literally wait till the last possible time that your alarm can go off and get up and do it? That then is a sense of urgency kind of thing. Or you might be a kind of person that gets out of bed because you've got so many things to look forward to in the morning that you repre- it represents fun. And then there's the other category of people that will get up and do it whether they like it or not because they've just inbuilt it as part of their lifestyle. And that's just, it, it's a non-negotiable in their life because they understand like it or not, these actions will represent a lifestyle that I truly want. So I am now looking at my future self and realizing how much I'm going to appreciate my actions today in six months time, in one year time. It's going to make my life a whole lot easier. But everything does come down to that urgency pleasure or you're doing it for ritual. Now there is one more reason why you would also procrastinate and that is because if some if a task is really boring or really easy and not stimulating enough and you put it off because you think that's so fucking easy. I could easily do that tonight. Like that doesn't take much effort at all. And it's a, it's a trick that your mind plays on you. Like I'm talking about replying to an email. It's not difficult and it's not um, that time consuming either. But the thought of doing it now when it's like, oh, it's so easy. I'll just fucking do it later. It'll take me three seconds. That idea of it will take me three seconds is the perfect reason why you should be doing it now. But you trick yourself into thinking that your future self will be more in the mood to do something that's boring and mundane. You're never, ever going to be in the mood to do it later if you're not in the mood to do it now, if it's not a stimulating task. Okay. Now, there's this psychologist, uh, a professor in psychology, his name is Joseph Ferrari, and he breaks down procrastination into three categories. So number one, there's a thrill seeker category and those people that think that they work better under pressure, but really may not even really know if they work better under pressure because they might have never really tried it, but they're like, they're working against a deadline for that essay, for that piece of work that needs to be in whatever. They're the thrill seekers. The other one is avoiders. That's a huge one for most people, which will put off anything that's going to make them feel judged for their performance. So that's people that will go on and on and on about talking about launching a business or changing careers, but they never actually take the plunge. They keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, even though they could be doing it right now uh, because they are avoiding feeling judged or anything that's going to make them feel vulnerable and put them in the limelight. And then you've got the third category, which is indecisives. So people who struggle to make a decision and who are going to ruminate and overthink and keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and can never make up their mind on something that's not even that difficult. So they're the three main categories. Another thing 
to note is that people who have low self-esteem are way more likely to procrastinate than people who don't. It doesn't mean that if you procrastinate, you have low self-esteem, but if you have low self-esteem, you're more likely to do it. And the reason for this is that people with low self-esteem are going to avoid tasks that are anxiety-provoking, difficult, or uncomfortable, or a task that means putting themselves out there, being vulnerable. Um, So they're going to put it off until it is absolutely necessary to do that task. And they have more feelings of that thing is going to go wrong for me, so I'm not going to do it. Or if it's a boring, mundane task, they would rather be doing something else that's pacifying their negative mood or their negative self-talk instead of doing that unpleasant task where their thoughts might be really loud. So for them, a a really boring task or mundane task is going to feel so much more negative than for someone that doesn't have negative self-talk or low self-esteem because for them they're doing something and also feeling quite low about themselves in that moment. So they would rather be doing something that's distracting. They're either doing something that's work-related or they're distracting themselves or they're in a social setting. But this idea of just being with their own thoughts is really unpleasant. So they'll be even more aversive to those tasks. Now I put the call out on my Instagram. I did a little kind of like question box and I asked what were the main things that people would procrastinate on? What tasks do they put off doing? By far, by far, the biggest one was studying. Studying, studying, studying. Everybody who studies feels that they put that off. And in that category of study, we're also talking about um, essays, like getting essays done, uni work, getting it done. And also in a similar category is getting projects done for work. The second most common one was working out slash meal prepping. The third most common one was housework, then emails and replying to texts, and then life admin, like doctor's appointments, car servicing, tax, all the boring slash unpleasant tasks. I also just little, little like asterisks, I did also get a couple of people, more than just a couple, that said, I procrastinate with commitment or committing to a relationship. I got a few of those. That's actually, that doesn't count as procrastinating because procrastinating, if you look at the definition, is you're putting a task, putting off a task that could be done now, but you can't date someone right now, right? You're just like, it's not like, oh, you're right here in front of me. Let's start a relationship. That's not really procrastinating. That comes down to feelings of commitment. It could either be a lifestyle preference that you genuinely genuinely don't want, or there could be these like built up feelings of fear or avoidance, but that's totally different to procrastinating. Procrastinating is the ability to take action on something right now, but you choose not to do so and you put it off. Okay. I don't think relationships really fall into that category because a relationship takes two to tango. So it's not really your action that you could be doing, if that makes sense. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what happens when you procrastinate. Then I'm going to tell you what to do about it and then what not to do. Okay, so what happens when you procrastinate? Your stress goes up. People that procrastinate chronically have poorer mental health and physical health than those people that don't. They have lower life satisfaction and they, they literally have all the health implications that come with stress. So you've got poorer sleep, anxiety, lower immunity. And this 
happens because you're putting off a task and then you're confirming it to be what you're saying it is. You're like, this is such an unpleasant task. This is such an unpleasant task. But because you got to put it off for so long, by the time you get around to doing the task, you're aversive, you're stressed, you're under pressure. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that that task then is extremely unpleasant because now you're under all this pressure and you have a deadline and you just want to curl up into a ball and cry yourself to sleep. So then you're like, see, I knew it. I knew it. It was fucked. It was so bad. I knew this was going to be shit. This is why I put it off. But it actually would be the opposite experience had you not put it off. And just go, guys, if you haven't already, just go and listen to my stress podcast because it goes into like everything that happens when you're stressed. You're, the actual wiring of your brain changes. Different areas of the brain start to dominate over other areas versus people who are not chronically stressed. So it's going to make a lot of sense if you've listened to that episode this whole reason why people that procrastinate are more stressed, that it's going to make a lot of sense to you. So what should you do? Now, I'm going to go off in a a little bit of a tangent, but without going too deep because there's a whole episode on it, and that is the dopamine episode. Go back and listen to that episode. Can't remember the number of it right now, but go back and listen to the dopamine episode. I'm going to just go on a slight tangent right now. Basically, dopamine and behaviors like reward seeking behaviors are going to create a spike in your dopamine. And then a lot of reward seeking behaviors that we do like ding, 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 checking your social media um, is going to create a spike in dopamine and then a drop below baseline. Now, when you have this spike in dopamine drop below baseline, you're more likely to then want another spike in dopamine. So that could be eating a delicious lolly. Uh, it could be obviously your social media. It could be shopping, things that are going to be like uh, reward, reward seeking behavior, reward seeking behavior. And we get that release of dopamine in anticipation of the reward just as much or more so than when you're actually getting the reward. It is an anticipation neurotransmitter. There are certain things that are going to give you a healthy release of dopamine where you're then not getting that dip below baseline. And that's things like um meditating, breath work, exercising, um, just being present. You know, coffee is pretty good, but not like in excess. I'm talking about just like a cup of coffee here. You know, coffee, if you do it in excess, it actually has the reverse effect. So just listen to the fucking episode on it. Anyway, so when you when you are looking at procrastinating, start paying attention to the actions that you take in order to pacify yourself. If they are reward-seeking behaviors like social media, if you procrastinate on something and then in the place of doing that thing, you're then doing a reward-seeking behavior like checking your social media, you are making it a thousand times harder for you to then take action on that task later on in that same day or that same week. You are making your body drop below baseline and dopamine increases your willingness to do something. So if you then, if you involve yourself in a reward seeking behavior that drops your dopamine below baseline, like social media, you then go on social media, you get that hit. It feels really good. It keeps you wanting more, 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 more. You put your phone aside and boom, you've got that drop below baseline and boom, you've got that drop of willingness to do something. Dopamine doesn't make you do any task better. It just makes you willing to do the task. And that is why delayed gratification is a good thing. Because if you can think of um, a reward, 
not a huge one. I'm not talking about going crazy, but some small reward. Like I'm going to have my second coffee after I've done two hours of work. And these are the things I want to complete in the next two hours, write a bit of a list. And you have your coffee there. You are anticipating the reward. So the levels of dopamine are still quite healthy. They're not dropping below baseline. And then you've got more willingness to do things and willingness to work towards that reward at the end. It's always good to delay gratification, but also find ways of increasing dopamine in a healthy way in the interim. And that's things like, of course, like I just said, meditation, exercise, all of that. So really important to understand how dopamine works and the release cycles of dopamine in your brain when you're talking about procrastination. Because most people in this day and age procrastinate because they engage in way too many unhealthy reward-seeking behaviors that fuck with their neurochemicals, fuck with their brain structure, fuck with their stress levels. So then you literally have a different structured brain to somebody who engages in, in things that are going to be very healthy for the brain, a lot calmer, and you're getting a healthy cycle and healthy release of neurotransmitters through the brain. So if you are yet to listen to that episode, hit pause, go and listen to that episode and then return to this because it's going to make so much sense. Okay. So that dopamine reward seeking behavior, put that aside because it is so beyond relevant. It's a sick joke. The second thing you're going to do is be kind to yourself, beating yourself up about something that you didn't do or that you've put off or how you've procrastinated your entire life and how by now you could have been somewhere else, but you're not. You are literally just making it worse. You need to understand that what is done is done. You are here now and that is what matters. You have to learn to identify and nip in the bud this negative downward spiral because the more stressed you are, the more you will procrastinate. The shitter you are to yourself, the more you will procrastinate. So you have to pause and start being a little bit more sympathetic to yourself. And you've got to say, that is what I knew at the time with the resources that I had. Now, I'm learning. Now I can try all these different things. I might not get them straight away. It will probably be trial and error for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to see improvements and I'm going to stick it out. And every time I do have a little slip up, it's just I'm going to identify, look at what can be done and then reapply tomorrow or reapply this afternoon, okay? You have to be as as kind to yourself as possible because beating yourself up and being really slack to yourself is actually just going to be even more detrimental, okay? Everything I spoke about, people with low self-esteem, you're just going to make it worse for yourself. Find ways to be kinder to yourself. Listen to my self-love episodes. I love that we've got a whole fucking library of episodes that I can keep referring you back to. We love this. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to write a to-do list for the day, Okay? Write everything down. You can write all this. I fucking love a to-do list. I'm the queen of to-do lists. I, like, I love them sick. It's great. But you've got to actually, they've got to work for you. There's no point writing this massive list to only get all the small tasks done or to only like get to the end of the day being like, wow, I really overestimated what I could do and now I feel shit about myself again. You don't want to get to that point, okay? So what I recommend in your to-do list is write down every fucking task, yes, but also also make it manageable. And when I talk about tasks, sometimes people think I'm only going to put this on the list if I know I can complete it and that's the problem. So what I want you to do is look at every task that you want to be working on in your life. I'm talking about I've got to do take out the, a load of laundry and hang it up to I have to clean the kitchen to I've got to submit that fucking form to the government or whatever the fuck, I've got to pay the fine, to also I need to dedicate X amount of time to this passion of mine 
or I need to exercise or whatever the fuck it is that you're doing. My essay that I'm working on. Sometimes we think that if it's too big a task, I don't want to put it on the to-do list because I don't want to feel like I have not completed something. Eh, Wrong. What you want to do instead is instead of making it task dependent, make your to-do list time dependent. So what I personally do is I allocate in my to-do list 15 minutes or 20 minutes of cleaning the house, whether that be, do I have laundry to do? Do I have to tidy up the kitchen? Do I have to quickly vacuum? It's time based. Okay. So 20 minutes to do housework. Then I want to dedicate 30 minutes to podcast planning. So this could be me sitting down and just brainstorming just episode titles, bang, 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 bang for 30 minutes. Or it could be me sitting down and going deep into one of the brain facts that I might then talk about in three weeks time. I don't give a flying fuck, but it's going to be 30 fucking minutes that I'm going to sit down and dedicate to the podcast. Just 30 minutes. If I said to myself, write and plan an entire podcast episode, then if I look at my day and how it's structured, I'd be like, oh, oh, oh no, 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 too big a task. I'll do it some other time. That's, that's, where, that's where you might fail in a lot of things is where you are doing it task dependent instead of time dependent. So switch it around. Then what I want you to do is look at the task that matters the most to you. What if you did every single day would change your life? in six months, 12 months, whatever. So this could be uni work because you've got to do it because it's getting you to a qualification that will change your life. It could be practicing an instrument because this is a passion that you've spoken about for the last 10 years and you yet to do it and you just know that if you were a gun guitarist in two years, it would bring you so much joy. That could be one of the things. Or it could be working on that business that you really want to launch, that fashion label that you want to launch, that product that you want to create, that fucking e-commerce store that you want to do. 30 minutes one hour, whatever it is. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to allocate the first half hour of your day, ideally more if you can, but minimum the first half hour of your day is going to be that one most crucial important task. Bang, you bump it up to number one on the list. What everyone is so good at doing is you go through your fucking to-do list and you're like, that takes three minutes, that takes five minutes, that is so fucking easy. Ding, 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 ding. And then you're crossing things out like a gun, being like, I'm a fucking legend. And then by the end of the day or by the time you have to go to work or by the time you've got to do all the other things, those big tasks that actually change your life never get seen to. That's the issue. So break it into time tasks and your number one most important thing, treat it that way and you put it at the top of the list. That's what I do. So I do the, the I wake up, do my ritual, like my morning thing, which is not on my to-do list, you know, get up, fucking coffee, meditate, all of that. But then when I sit down, 30 minutes, I actually do 45, but I do a timer and I start working on that task. Then I set a 30-minute ta- timer and I think how many of the smaller mundane tasks that don't take up my brain power, my creative power, can I get done in the interim? So bang, I set another timer and you'll be surprised at how much fucking cleaning you get done when you're racing against the clock. It's pretty impressive. So I'm like buzzing around doing all that shit and then bang, I set another block to focus on the important tasks. So you want to alternate with a timer between the important big tasks and then the little tasks that are on that to-do list. Don't go being like, I'll get the easy things done first and the hard things done later. It doesn't work that way. You also have to understand in my decision-making podcast I've got, I talk about this, but we have a quota, a decision-making quota that makes creative decisions and any other decision harder to make as the day goes on. So that's why you want to start your day with a ritual where you don't have to think about or make any decisions because it's locked in. It's not a choice. It's just your life. 
And then you want to start doing the things that are a bit harder or the things that, that take up brain power early. So if you are studying at uni, that is what you need to be doing in the morning. I understand that some people are super creative at nighttime. That's different. If your creative juices are flowing and you want to be there, then it's easy to do it at night because you want to be there. It represents joy. When we talk about procrastinating a task, though, that's what you want to bump up into the morning. Okay, so if you know for a fact I'm fucking creative at night, I could be there for hours, then who fucking don't worry about it. Leave it to the nighttime. I don't care. We're talking about the things that you are putting off. That is what we are addressing in today's episode. So if you put something off because it's difficult, like most people, I'm talking hundreds literally that answered the studying and work related tasks, essays and shit. You're doing that in the morning. Your capacity to make decisions and to decide which which reference you're going to use and write something and get together a cohesive paragraph for that essay is going to be a lot better in the morning than it's going to be at night time, okay? So that's what you do first thing in the morning. And then the last thing that you're going to do, which is really going to help you, is you're going to, um, before you start on those harder tasks, you want to get into a hype zone. This is also going to help you increase your natural levels of dopamine without dropping it below baseline so you become more willing to do something. So that could be putting your headphones on, putting your favorite song on and literally just jumping up and down. Tony Robbins has this fucking little trampoline that he jumps on and he does all these like breathing exercises and breath work. So he's like really jing himself up. He gets all these blood pumping to his brain. Neurochemicals are flowing. He's in this flow state before he applies himself to do something. Or for you, it could be a run or it could just be sitting there doing breath work. It could be a meditation. Whatever gets you in this awesome state of excitement or happiness, you want to prime yourself. And then from there, you sit down, blood is pumping, your your brain is full of oxygen, and then you can get to work. Okay. So that is what I recommend you do to kind of stop procrastinating. Now, what you don't want to do is you don't want to deplete kind of, I've already kind of covered this, but you're not depleting your dopamine levels. So if you are someone that swaps a task for social media, you need to A, not get on social media ideally for the first two hours of the day, unless it is work related and you have to. If you don't procrastinate, get on fucking social media whenever you want, but I recommend that you limit it. Okay. Don't get on it. And when you do get on it, set a timer. You should never, nobody, I don't care who the fuck you are, should never have unlimited, untimed access on social media. Social media is a great fucking tool, but it can also be your worst enemy. And for people that have self-esteem problems, it could be the the worst enemy of your life, okay? It can be very detrimental for your mental health. So use it wisely. Set a timer, 10 minutes max, max to be scrolling through your social media. I'm not saying a day. I'm saying per time slot. Most people spend way more, like a few hours. You can limit that time dramatically and you can still go on it. You still scroll. You're still having a good time, but it at least cuts out the mindless scrolling where you're literally delaying your life uh, to watch a video of a dog. Okay. We need to kind of reel it in guys so you can actually experience your own life. So put a timer on your social media, maximum 10 minutes, ideally five. And then you can do blocks of it throughout the day. Just like you're blocking everything else out, you do blocks of the social media. That's going to help with the dopamine release as well. If you're you're draining, draining, draining for like half an hour on end, you're not doing yourself any favors when it comes to your, your willingness to do something and your ability to be hyped or driven or motivated. Another thing you don't want to do is get into procrastination organizing. That idea of when you're 
um, when you start working on a task that's got zero relevance in your life so you don't have to get to another task. Like all of a sudden my wardrobe is fucking colour coordinated when it never has been before. But I've also got this essay that I've got to do. That is like such a trick that we play on ourselves. So identify that behaviour and stop, set a timer, work on the task for 30 minutes and then if you absolutely have to because you're getting all compulsive, then go back and work on your fucking um, wardrobe colour coordinating of your Christmas sweaters. And like I said before, don't focus on getting the small, easy tasks done. You need to alternate between the big, important tasks and then the easy, smaller tasks and keep alternating with the timer. Now, the last thing that I want you to do before I wrap up this episode is I want you to really start learning how to put yourself in the shoes of your future self. Humans are like, we just, we, there's so many psychology studies that prove how difficult it is for humans to do that. There was this, I don't know if it was, look, I don't want to bastardize it, but it was either a TED talk, it was a a social psychologist that was talking about it. Some fucking video that I watched. And they talk about that people were more able to put themselves in the shoes of their future self when they had this, Uh, technology that could actually warp their face and make them look older when it looked really relatable. And then when that app came out that could age you, people then, they were asked questions about their future self. Then they were given that app where they could really see themselves age. And then they were asked more questions about their future self. And people started answering with a lot more insight into what their future would be like because they had more they were really starting to genuinely imagine what their life would be like when they aged. Because most people are like, oh yeah, later, later. It's when I'm older, when I'm older. But we don't think we're going to age. We see old people walking down the street and we're like, oh, cute old person. That's never going to be me. And even though we're like, well, I know it'll be me, but it doesn't feel like it, right? It feels like I'm kind of going to be this age forever. But then when you look back on your life, you think, fuck that flu. So it's kind of like this weird kind of time warp that we're living in, right? So you've got to learn to put yourself in the fu- in the shoes of your future self. And one of the best ways to do that is do, do this for a week. People are going to fucking hate me because they're like, hate doing that. Don't tell me to do that. But wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Go and fucking train, swim, run, whatever you want to do. Steam. Go listen to my sauna episode. Steam. Go for a steam. By seven o'clock, you'll have so much shit done. And you're beginning your day at 7. You might have already gone. So I sometimes get up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, do weights, swim, steam. And then by 7 a.m. I'm meeting up with my friend Liv for a coffee. And I'm like, I've done all this shit. Versus other mornings where I wake up just in time to make it to meet Liv at 7 for a coffee. Because we normally get a coffee most mornings and go for a little walk. And I'm like, I've now done so much shit that I normally do later in the day before meeting her. So then what you do after doing that for four or five days of what, obviously you don't have to have a coffee with a friend, you choose what you do. But by seven, so much shit is done. And then what you think about is by the fifth morning, when that alarm is going off and you've got the choice of staying in bed, you then start learning how you put yourself in the shoes of your future self. Because that enjoyment of sleeping in lasts for the span of time that you are in your bed. From that moment onwards, when you get out of bed, you are not thrilled that you did not wake up earlier. However, if you get up earlier, that short-term pain of getting out of bed is very short-lived, but that long-term gain, is you're going to reap the rewards of that for the morning that you're actually getting shit done and for the rest of the day feeling like, wow, I woke up fresh. I put myself first. I did this for my, for my mental health. I did this for my physical health. I feel great. I feel energized. My dopamine levels are great. I'm able to like, be more efficient on my tasks. You never, ever regret waking up early. And if you're tired, you've done enough shit in the day that you can have a nap in the afternoon. 
Like that's how efficient you've been. So it's that learning of like, I've now experienced this lifestyle for four days. I'm in bed, but I want to feel at 7am, I want to feel the feeling that I felt the last four days. That's what I mean about learning to put yourself in the shoes of your future self. Your future self of in two hours time, let alone in 12 months time. But sometimes it's easier to think about your future self in a couple of hours versus in 12 months, in five years, all of that. A lot of people struggle the further away that time block is because then we think, oh, I've got plenty of time to do it, so why? So think, I've, I've got two hours right now to change my day or not. Am I going to do it? That is my choice and I can only really imagine what it's going to be like if I think about every other time that I've woken up and I felt this way. Guys, I hope that that episode was helpful. I hope that it's made you reconsider certain things with how you procrastinate. And I hope it's helped you realize that the way you feel and what you do is not that unique. So many people go through what you go through, some to a crazy extent, some not so much, but it's a very common thing. And there's also many common factors that are prohibiting us from doing these things. You know, our lifestyle in today's day and age where there's so many distractions and ways to pacify ourselves from the boring or the mundane or the difficult, there's so much available to us that we just don't even think to stop and think how detrimental is this going to be in a day, in a week, in a year? You know, we've got so much available at our fingertips now that it's actually in a way detrimental to our own growth. So hopefully you guys have thought about this, reconsidered a few things, and you're going to try and action even half of the shit that I spoke about in this episode. Guys, I love you so much. Hopefully you share this around. I love it when you take screenshots off it, put it on your Instagram, talk about it on the Facebook group, all of the above. I'm going to do a shout out to my Bean listeners around the world. I've got a few locations here now. So hello to my beans in San Diego and Boston in the US, in Wanaka, is that how you pronounce it? Wanaka in New Zealand, Margaret River in Australia and Antwerp in Belgium. Love my global beans. Um, Yes, as always, guys, remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains, don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke! And Merry Christmas to those of you that celebrate Christmas. I'm a fucking atheist and I celebrate it. Good times, good times. Anyway, bye!